Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. That has been the focal point of this series. Uh, The 33.333% of God that we don't talk about a whole lot in church. And uh, we've been talking about who he is, and basically we summarize this whole series by saying this, Jesus was the greatest gift ever given to humanity, but the Holy Spirit was the greatest gift that Jesus ever gave us. And today, I want to talk to you not only about who the Holy Spirit is, but some of the gifts that he actually gives us as his kids. And I think many people are pretty oblivious. I had this kind of thought years ago, that imagine if you were related to maybe Bill Gates, or maybe someone that had a lot of means and you never knew who your real father was. And because you were separated at birth from your father, maybe you grew up in a foster care system, and maybe eventually you started using drugs and ended up living on the streets. How sad, prolifically sad would it be to to live your whole life homeless and destitute on the streets, never knowing that your father had all the means to take care of all that was in your heart? And I think many people live spiritually in the context of they have no idea how, how wealthy how gifted, and how much uh, generosity their Father in Heaven has, and He wants to give to His kids. And so today, we're going to take a look at two thoughts here this morning. I'm going to go to two passages in the Bible. If you're new to our church, we're going to read 10 verses today in, in the Bible. You can turn to Genesis chapter 40 and put a finger, and then go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I want to again talk to you today uh, on uh, one, of the, one of my favorite uh, gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us who know Him. And it's called the gift, uh, one of the gifts that's listed in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's nine. And uh, let me just say it like this. Three weeks ago, I talked about the discerning gifts. Remember that? Talked about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Uh, that was kind of, those discerning, so you could say, those are sensing gifts that God gives you. It's a sense. Today, I want to talk to you about some of the saying gifts. Saying gifts, which predominantly, we'll probably focus predominantly today on the gift of prophecy. And what prophecy is, what it isn't. Here's the good news. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm leaving right now. I'm not into fortune tellers. Uh, just hang out with me. I promise. Uh, I think it's really fun to make the, the ancient, awesome, spiritual things like old words like the prophetic and make them modern day and actually show you that these things might be old, but they're not outdated. And that they're not scary. They're not, they're not wild. They're not, they're not for uh, just advantageous kind of hyper spooky people. But actually, they're for all of us today. If you believe it, come on, say amen. So today, if you've got your Bible, uh, turn with me to, uh, let's go first to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. When you get there, say, I'm there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And uh, I like it, uh, again, when you talk back to me. So if you hear something good this morning, you can say amen or go ahead. You can say preach, teach, say that. Or uh, you can just sit there quiet and angry whatever you prefer, but we're going to have a good time this morning. If you got your Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, are you ready to go this morning? I want to talk to you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this title down, Seeing for Service. Seeing for Service. Seeing for Service. God gave me a funny thought. I'm excited to share it with you. Let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Paul writes, pursue, say it with me, love. What do we pursue? I'll try one more time. Pursue Awesome. And desire, desire, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I'd say most Christians today, they pursue love, but they don't desire spiritual gifts. Paul says, look, desire spiritual gifts, but out of all of them, especially you should desire that you may prophesy. 
For he who speaks in a tongue, here's Paul, uh, again, a couple weeks ago, we talked about tongues in church, which was wild. Uh, he says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but to God. No one understands that tongue. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies, edifies, edifies the church. I wish, Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Someone's like, scary. No, awesome. But even more that you prophesy, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Watch, unless the person who uh, speaks in tongues is interpreted, that the church may receive edification. Let's rewind real quick. Old Testament, two different passages. I'm going somewhere this morning. Genesis chapter 40. This is a story of a guy named Joseph. This is not the, the uh, foster parent of Jesus. This is actually the guy in the Old Testament who actually spent his time in a pit, in a prison, and ended up in the palace. He was 25-ish when we read this passage here. He's been in prison for several years. And one particular day, we're to pick up reading about a butler and a baker that worked for Pharaoh, that got in trouble from Pharaoh, and got thrown into the same prison that Joseph was in. Joseph was their caretaker. He was running the cell block. So let's begin reading in verse 5. But the butler, then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the same prison as Joseph, had a, say it with me, a, they had a, it's a D word, help me out, come on, all over the room, we need to get loud this morning, had a, both of them, butler and baker, both men had a dream in the same night, one night. Each man's dream with its own interpretation. Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them. Watch what he does. He looks at them. And Joseph came to them in the morning, looked at them and said, he saw that they were sad. He saw after he looked at them that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, the butler and the baker, who were with him in custody of his his Lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpretation of the dream. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me, please, and let's see what God does, basically, is what he said. I want to talk to you today about seeing, seeing for service. You ready to go? God, I just thank you for the next several moments that you'd be with Oceans Church. I pray that you would show us that, God, one of the greatest things we can do as your kids is have the ability to hear your voice, to see what you're doing, and to be able to boldly say what you're doing in the earth, in our jobs, and our families. We love you, God, and I just pray you'd speak to all of us today. I pray for a spirit of faith to invade this room, and I thank you that we would begin to hear you, see you more clearly than we've ever seen you in our entire life. Lord, I pray you continue to help the Lakers get one more big player, that we could go to the, the finals this year and win the finals this year. And God, for my friend Ron, would you help the angels out in Jesus' name? Come on, someone said amen. It helps to pray in church. Any Angels fans in here? All right, three of you. God bless those three people. Awesome. Uh, I was thinking about this week uh, how much Californians love animals. Have you noticed that Californians, they love, we love our pets. Yeah, they're not animals, they're pets, sorry. <laughs> Already just defended some people. Uh, I, I, I had to move here. I moved here, as many of you know, from Idaho. We were in Idaho for 18 years, uh, 17 years. And I moved down here, and I had no idea what a service pet was until I moved to California. Started seeing animals everywhere, indoors, on airplanes, in Starbucks. I'm like, my gosh, you go to the comedy club and there's people that have service pets that are like, I can't laugh without this animal here. 
and uh, started seeing a, a, just a myriad of service pets, had no idea what they were, and uh, it was just, you know, I think there's probably a lot of uh, counterfeit service pets these days that people are buying vests online just so they can hang out with their animals more. Come on. But uh, I, I heard of a story of someone getting real fired up at Starbucks that the lady walked in with her service pet and the barista was like, you can't have your dog in here. And she's like, yes, I can. And there was like this, this confrontation in Starbucks. And she's like, no, you can't. She's like, this is a service animal. By, lo- by law, I'm allowed to bring this animal in here. And, and then the barista's like, well, I want to see the paperwork. And the lady's like, Legally, you don't have to see the paperwork. And they got this, like, this legal battle in the middle of Starbucks. I'm like, I just want a, come on, iced vanilla latte. That's all I need. And there's this big ordeal going on. I started looking up service pets, and God was speaking to me last night, believe it or not, through this idea of service animals. It's crazy. Just forgive me. God speaks to us where we are. Can I get a good amen? It's like, my gosh, I should have been a comedian. Okay, uh. It was wild, though. I was thinking about service animals. I started reading on this, and that the, the, really the intention of service animals is to, is to help people that are disadvantaged, maybe with a hearing impairment or a visual impairment, or even sometimes anxiety or fear uh, for comfort reasons. I was thinking about, uh, I, had, I met a guy uh, when we first moved down here that had a service pet that was a chihuahua. And he told me that his, his chihuahua was to help him out with his anxiety. And I was like, dude, I think your service pet might need a service pet. Because that dog shakes more than all of us. I was thinking about, my gosh. I was thinking about service animals. What do they do? They, they actually help, they help people that are at a disadvantage. They help people that are visually impaired or audibly impaired. And you see them in airplanes and airports. You see them all over movie theaters. And uh, I was thinking about this idea that uh, how important it is to be able to see when other people can't see. And how important it is to hear when other people can't hear. And I was thinking about how, you know, one of the things we don't like to talk a lot about the church today is we don't like to talk about the fact that, that God still speaks today like he spoke back in the day. We don't hear that message a whole lot. But I believe that Jesus hasn't changed. Call me crazy or old-fashioned, but I believe that the same God that spoke to the earlier founders of the church is still speaking today. I believe the Holy Spirit came onto the earth to actually give us the same power that our forefathers had in the very beginning. And I think, quite frankly, many people are just completely, uh, uh, completely oblivious to the fact that God is still good, still speaks, and still fills people with the Holy Spirit. It's true. And so I was thinking last night as I was kind of going through this, and I love the story of, of, of Joseph, one of my favorite Old Testament figures and I thought, man, I could teach anywhere in the Bible. There was over 87 prophets and, and female prophets uh, throughout the scriptures. And uh, it's, it's amazing that, that there was, I think there was like 18 that were listed in the New Testament as this guy was a prophet and this lady was a prophet and Philip had some daughters that were prophetic. And, and throughout the scriptures, all these different uh, people, and if you don't know what a prophet is before you get spooked or scared, it simply means someone that has the ability to see. A prophet was a seer. It was someone that could see what God was showing and hear what God was saying. Can I say it again? Being prophetic does not mean you're spooky, spiritual, weird, or outlandish. It just means that you have the ability to see what God's showing and hear what God's saying. And the cool thing is, is that we're under the new covenant, which means, again, all of God's anger was dealt with on the cross. In the Old Testament, you had a lot of angry prophets. You had people that were very, very... Uh, uh, forecasting judgment, doom, and gloom of what would happen to Israel, what would happen to the earth prior to the arrival of, of the Messiah. 
And what we find here, though, is that, that uh, Jesus comes on the scene. He, he takes care of the anger and the wrath of God. And now you see in the New Testament, under the dispensation that we're in, that now, now the prophetic, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14, it serves a new purpose. It was interesting, I was studying at this, again, uh, weirdest studies lately, uh, service animals, and I read this interesting fact that it said this, all breeds can be trained to be service animals, but to, but to retrievers, it, they're born to do it. And I was thinking about this idea that, do you know that everyone in this room has the ability to hear and to see God? But some of you might have, might, it might be more naturally aptitude, uh, you might be more apt, have more of a natural aptitude to actually gravitate towards hearing and seeing God. But the good news is, is that all of us have the ability to, come on, grow in the knowledge of God and his gifts. So this is what I want to say to you today. This is not for superhero, uh, super pastors of super churches, of super gatherings, of super movements. I'm tired of saying super. I actually believe that hearing the voice of God is the birthright to every one of God's kids. And here's what's awesome about Joseph is Joseph finds himself 25 or so years of age. There is two high-ranking government officials that get arrested because they upset the king of the most powerful nation on the earth. One's a butler, one's a baker. And it says this in in Genesis 40 that both of these guys have dreams. They have dreams. And Joseph wakes up in the morning, and I love this, because when everybody else in the prison was only paying attention about their own sorrows, there was someone in the prison that actually had a heart of compassion to care about the needs of the world around them. I believe if you want to ever be prophetic or have a a ability to hear God's voice for others, the first thing is you have to care about other people. This might sound like rocket science, but I promise you, you'll never hear God for others if you don't first care for other people. I've heard it said like this, you'll only influence what you first love. So you'll never influence people. People always talk bad about celebrities or entertainers. They talk bad about California. They talk bad about economies or or politicians or politics. Let me just say something to you. You will never influence what you first don't love. And if you want to bring change to an area of life or to an individual or people group, you first have to ask God, God, give me your love for these people. And so Joseph, what does he do? He has a love. He's looking around, not at his own depravity, not at his own problems, not at his own uh, negative predicament that he's in. He was literally betrayed by his own family. He was thrown into a pit. He sold into slavery. He was accused of rape falsely. And his his person that uh, incriminated him, uh, Potiphar, uh, actually knew that he was probably innocent because if he thought he was guilty, he would have had him executed. So Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph, and, is, and, and he's trying to appease his wife, going, look, I know my wife's probably making this up, but i got to arrest you anyways because I want to make her happy. If you're really guilty, I would kill you. So he finds himself in a prison, innocent. Innocent. And he should have been, if I'm not I'm being honest, I would be a little bit, um, just come on, trying to be honest in church. I think if I was thrown in prison after being betrayed by my family, sold into slavery, accused of rape falsely, and now I'm in the, uh, one of the worst prisons in the land, I think I'm going to be a little bit feeling sorry for myself. Maybe just me, but I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, my life. Can you believe this, God? How could you? But here we find Joseph caring about the people around him. And he notices that there's two guys that are new to the block that he says, hey guys, um, why are you sad? 
Why are you sad? This is where I want to kind of point out my emphasis here this morning. Is I believe that one of the most discouraging things about life is when God puts dreams and desires in your heart, but you have no idea what they are or what they mean. This butler and baker goes, we've had dreams. We don't know what they mean. We, have a, we, we, have, we, we, we feel like there's some sort of divine inspiration in our life, but we don't know how to make any sense of it. We don't know what, I mean, there's something happening to me. I don't, there's a reason I think that I was born, but I don't, know if there, I don't know what it is. I don't know what my purpose, my meaning, my significance. Maybe even believe in this. Maybe the best days of my life were behind me. They were sad. We're, 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 uh, we've been indicted. We're arrested. We're locked up. We have, no, uh, we have no guarantee we're ever getting out of this place. All we have is a dream from God that we can't interpret. And I believe that one of the saddest things that people can experience, even in Orange County, is getting everything that you've ever wanted materially in life, but not knowing what the heck your purpose on the earth is. And living sad because you have a dream that maybe you even achieve, but you don't know what it means. I believe the goal of Christianity is to actually not only understand your dream, but to actually be able to see for other people that can't see for themselves. I actually believe that God gives us the ability to see for others, not for status so we can brag, but for service so we can help. Many people have no idea that Christianity is about, look, a God that's still alive. Can we just park here for a moment? Our God lives. He lives. His spirit still roams the earth today, looking to and fro. He's, he's looking. The eyes of the Lord are in this place. He's actively looking for those that can be trusted, those that, can, those that he can speak to and speak through. And I think Joseph, under the Old Testament, had enough of the spirit of God within him to care about those around him, to literally have this conversation that goes, hey, tell me your dreams. Tell me your dreams. Do not interpretations belong to God. I believe that prophetic people can see what other people do not see. They can understand what other people cannot understand. If you're writing this down, I want you to write a few thoughts down. That New Testament, the prophetic, under the New, New Covenant, it literally does three things. I want to just shatter a couple of uh, old stereotypes. Is Number one, uh, the prophetic should always, number one, it should always exhort people. It always exhorts. What do you mean it exhorts? It, it lifts people up. It lifts them. So whenever you see a prophetic person walk into a church and start prophesying doom and gloom, they have mistaken which covenant they are under. Some people are the opposite of Ezekiel. They see a mighty army and they turn them into dry bones. We're actually supposed to, under the new covenant of grace, see dry bones and turn them into a mighty army. This is what the prophetic does, is it gives you the ability to see what no one else sees, say what no one else is saying, and I actually believe that God has this collaborative uh, relationship with those that are seeing what he's showing them, that the words that God gives them for other people have, I believe it does two things. It actually, and this is what I'm going into, it'll confirm what some people already know, but it'll actually give you the power to become something you weren't already. You could say it like this, preaching inspires people, but the prophetic imparts to people. And I believe the, the era that we live in today, we have a lot of inspired Christians, but not very many that have been imparted to. I don't want to just be an imp- inspired Christian with no power. Man, I love God, but I have no idea how to change my family. I love God, but I have no idea how to encourage my wife. I love God, but I have no idea really how to build up my employees. I believe that God wants you to be more than just inspired. He wants you to be, come on, empowered. 
And the prophetic, what it does is it actually, when God gives someone a thought or a word or an impression for you, it doesn't just inspire you, it actually imparts something to you. Are you still with me today? And I'm really, I'm concerned today in the era that we live in that we're shutting down environments in the name of growth and relevance that created many of those that are leading the church today. Let me go a step further. I believe that whenever we teach a, a doctrine or a, a theological premise that will not lead people to where you ended up, you're actually doing your church a disservice. Just back up a little bit. I believe many of the greatest leaders on the earth today were in services that were in nature prophetic. You look at the 80s, the 90s, renewal, some of the craziest things that have happened in the church world. They were in these powerful environments that I believe put something in them that, that actually has come out of them in the last 15 years. And my fear is, is that we get so mainstream that we're like, we're going to start at 8 o'clock sharp and we're going to end at 9 o'clock dull. And we're actually going to have no space for God, no power of his Holy Spirit, no, no, no ability to hear or, or, or share or pray or lead or guide. If we get so interested in just growing for the sake of growth or being relevant for the sake of being relevant, that we start cutting the muscle out of the church. The fivefold ministry, the Bible says, is what grows the church. It's what expands the kingdom. Ephesians chapter 4 says God puts some in the body to be apostles, prophets, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to, to edify and to build up the, the saints for the work of the ministry. So let me just, can I just give a big theological dissertation right here? Is I believe that real five-fold ministry leaders aren't just people that operate in that gift. They have the ability to raise up other people like them. So a real prophet doesn't just hear God and point at someone and say, God would say to you X, Y, and Z. When that guy leaves that room, there's people that rise up in that place that can hear God like he heard God. That's a prophetic person. An evangelist doesn't walk into a room and say, who does not know God and wants to know God? And everyone responds, a real evangelist, when he leaves, the people that responded to his message will become evangelists. True five-fold giftings will raise people up to stand in the same places that they stand. Are you tracking? It's a little deeper than usual, but this is first service. You guys are church junkies. I fundamentally believe that, that the prophetic should edify people. How do you know if you're being prophetic? Does it, edi- does it exhort people, number one? Number two, does it edify people? The Greek word for edify literally means to build a house. Do you know what God does when he gives you a word of encouragement or prophetic word for somebody? It should build them up like you're putting another piece of wood or another shingle on the roof. It should make that person more of a complete house than they were prior to that word. I want to encourage you never use a prophetic moment to actually bring correction to somebody. That's one of the most manipulative things you can do. Thus saith the Lord, you're in, you're, you need to start being more nicer to me. And God's really disappointed that you're not more generous to me. And we don't do that. And by the way, can, I just, can we just go a little bit more new school here? Do you know that you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord, whenever God's speaking to you for someone? If you see, I, I'll pray for people a lot of times in our church. And, and we do this, we're, we're a church that believes you can hear God. I don't believe you have to walk up to someone at Gelson's, grab the microphone and say, all right, thus saith the Lord. There's someone on aisle three. I'm going to exercise my prophetic revelatory gift. I don't believe that you have to say, thus saith the Lord, to actually encourage someone from God. Are you hearing me? A lot of times I'll say something like this. You know what I feel like? I feel like God wants me to encourage you with X, Y, Z. 
And I'm sensing right now, I'm sensing right now that God just wants to show you, share this with you. And again, I'm not being hyper spooky, spiritual. How many of you can be spiritual but be natural? And you can be natural and be spiritual. And I think Orange County is actually hungry. Because I was reading last night, even in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says the word of God was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation of God. I believe this describes Orange County today. Is that going to churches or being a part of a faith community that actually makes space to actually hear God and encourage other people. It's rare. It's uncommon. It's like there's no widespread people hearing God clearly on a regular ongoing basis. This is an uncommon thing. But I believe that God wants to make the uncommon more regular. And I think that hearing God should not be uh, limited to like graduations and babies and marriages that happen four times in your life. I believe that God wants to speak to you on an ongoing basis. Can I get a good amen? So the prophetic, it edifies, it exhorts, you know what else it does? It comforts people. I shared a word, I think I shared this a couple weeks ago, but I prayed over a lady in, in Toronto, Canada. And God showed me this lady, like, like going through this morning. I, I saw her, like, standing next to a, a graveside. And um, I saw flowers on a casket. had no idea. And I told her, I, I feel like, you know, like, God, I saw, like, the number six. And then I saw you mourning. And I saw, like, flowers. And then, like, this God just kind of gave me these images, right? And uh, I shared this with her. Then I said, but the good news, I, I, saw, I saw the sky changing. And it went from rainy, gloomy weather to shiny weather and, and blue blue. Uh, blue skies and sunshine, and I saw that over the next 36 months, I saw, I saw 36 months, that the sky would get bluer and bluer, and life would get brighter and brighter, and that the sun will shine again in your life. 36 months. So what I didn't know is her husband died six months previous, and I went back to that church four years later, and 36 months after I was there, she remarried uh, another guy, and just told me that all these things, again, that God just gave me an impression or a feeling for, had actually materialized in her life. Are you tracking me? You know what? You know, the prophetic it comforts people. It edifies people. It encourages people. What else does the prophetic do? I love this. It's really cool. It doesn't just edify, comfort people. It'll actually confirm. So whenever someone comes to you, and by the way, I'm leery. I, I'm really leery of who I let pray for me. So I just want to give you maybe like a little, little word of encouragement and wisdom. When you go to a conference or something, be aware of the sidewalk prophets that, that just try to like masquerade, like, hey, I have a word for you. Like, dude, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know, what, where do you serve? Like, who, who's your pastor? Like, like, do you have, is it like, the Bible says not to let hastily people lay hands on you and to pray for you. You might inherit some of the things that are going on in their life. So I think it's important that, that there should be health as it pertains to the prophetic. There's a lot of people that hear things, but I'm not sure if they're hearing the things that God is saying to them. So I'm very, again, I'm kind of, I'm, 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 I'm uh, cautious and I'm aware of who's speaking what to me. But I think that what the prophetic should do, it should confirm. So if someone comes to you and is like, hey, I just see, like, I see you in a car accident. I think you're dead in like six months. I don't, number one, I don't receive that. I think you're off because the prophetic should exhort edify and comfort and now I feel terrified now I'm not going to sleep for the next six months and I'm taking the train everywhere because the prophetic listen it should it should always do these things and it should confirm there's been so many key moments in my life when Rashawn and I moved down here to start this church we started getting prophetic like we weren't a super prophetic church but we had people walk come through our church maybe once or twice a year that kind of operated in that prophetic five-fold gift and it doesn't matter who they were, 
it, we'd be in a room of 1,100 people, and Rochelle and I, even before we were dating, would get singled out, and they'd say, they'd say, hey, right here, I don't know who you are, but I really feel like God's going to raise you up, that you're going to influence the fashion industry, that one day you're going to actually influence Hollywood in the, in the, in the entertainment industry. And, I, and again, then I'd get called out, they'd be like, we see you influencing like, like California and Hollywood, and we see you impacting like professional athletes, and all these things that people spoke to me when I was a nobody in Bible college. Didn't know anything about the Bible. But you know what the prophetic does? It will always see the gold underneath all the dirt. And many people, they, you know, if you want to be a prophetic person, it, usually you'll weep when everyone's laughing and you'll laugh when everybody's weeping because you're always a season ahead. And you see things that no one else is seeing. Are you following me today? I love the fact that the, the, the prophetic, it confirms what's already put in your heart. After we got those words in 2002, 2003, from 2003 to 2017, we had 16 different people give us words that pertain. You're one day going to go to California. One day you're going to start a church. Orange County is where you're going to end up. We had all these, again, I'm not trying to sound hyper spooky spiritual, but again, my sports center, top 10 plays, highlight reel. We had 16 different people to give us these words about what we're doing right now. It's confirmed. Over and over. It says in the mouth of two or three, let every one of God's words be established. So what do we find here is that the prophetic will comfort, it'll, it'll confirm, it'll edify, it'll exhort. So how do, you become comf- uh, how do you become good at seeing or hearing God and we'll land the plane today? Is I believe, number one, you have to first get filled up. F-I-L-L-E-D. Get filled. What do you mean? I believe this, that God only gives this gift to those that pursue love and earnestly desire. Do you know what I've learned about getting filled up is you have to actually do it yourself. You actually have to, if you want to fill up on food, what do you do? You have to keep eating. You have to keep putting more stuff inside of you. And I actually believe that if you ever want to hear God clearly for other people and for yourself and for your family and for your business, one of the things you have to do is you have to desire it. You have to go, God, I desire to hear you more clearly. I desire to hear your voice, to know your leading, to sense your spirit. I think it's very, very important that we actually have a desire to say, God, would you fill me up? I think this is what is so important. People have, I have a lot of friends in the church world, and, and there's not a lot of guys, being honest, my age and younger that really go after hearing God for other people. You know what my favorite things to do is I love to read this book. I'll read it for like an hour, maybe two hours out loud. You know, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says that if you're a prophet, to prophesy in proportion to your faith. So you could say it like this. Usually, the level of detail will come to your desire to get filled. Faith comes by. So I'm, this is what I've learned. is that I'll spend time in the Bible. That is the origins of hearing God's voice. So I, this is crazy deep, right? Read your Bible. And as I read my Bible for an hour or so out loud, it builds my faith. I'll even start speaking in my prayer language and build myself up. It says, we just read this, that when you speak in your prayer language, it edifies yourself. Anyone need to build yourself up sometimes? Just three of us. Okay, we'll just be the only ones that speak in the Holy Spirit. No, we all need to get built up sometimes. That's why speaking in tongues is not for some people. It's for anyone that wants it. So I'll read my Bible for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. Read it out loud. Speak in my prayer language, turn some worship music on, and I can feel the Holy Spirit. And you know what it says? I love this passage. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 1. It says that, that, that the Bible was written by men, holy men of God, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 
Do you know what I believe the prophetic is? It's, it's when God gets inside of you and begins to move you for other people. So you know what I'll do is I'll start praying. I'll, I'll pray for my friend in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Dustin Woodward. And after I spend some time with God, I'll fill myself up with God. And then number two, what I'll do is I'll start focusing on somebody. Focus. I'll focus, man, I'm thinking about Dustin right now. And I'll begin to, again, I'm building myself up. And I'll, and I'll start thinking about how God sees Dustin. You know what I've learned is if you'll ask God for his eyes for other people, you'll actually start having God's words for other people. Many times we lack the words of God because we don't see people the way with, with the eyes of God. Having his words only comes after you have his eyes. So I'll say, God, what do you see going on in Dustin's life right now? And it's weird. It's the weirdest thing, man. But I felt like Samuel. You know, it said that Samuel was 11 years old when the word of God came to him. He was in the church for 11 years. Do you know that? 11 years he went to church, but it says in, I think, verse 5 or 6 of Samuel 3, it says that he had yet, he had not yet known the voice of the Lord. Do you know that you can be in church every Sunday for 11 years and not know his voice? Knowing his voice is getting accustomed. And by the way, this is interesting. When Samuel first started hearing God, you know what, his, you know what God's voice sounded like to him? His pastor. Eli, you called? No. Eli, you called? No, I didn't call you. Third time, Eli's like, no, that's God. You know what I've learned is many times developing the prophetic voice for yourself is by sitting under other prophetic people and going like, man, I know how my pastor prays. I can start hearing God like he hears. How I can sing like my worship. Does that make sense? We, we're, sh- we're shaped by the voices that are in front of us or above us or, or further along than we are, I should say. So I believe that prophetic people, this gift of the prophetic, it comes to people that will fill themselves up. It'll come to people that'll focus on other people around them. I was around my neighbor yesterday, one of my neighbors, and we just started talking and right away, he said something about his father and I said, it caught my attention. I said, what's up with your dad? He said, oh, you didn't hear? And he started to disclose these things that were happening to his father. And it was awesome, just right there in that moment, again, not being weird, in my driveway, in front of my car, because we're neighbors. I said, hey, can I pray for you? Is that okay? Can I pray for your dad right now? What's his name? Michael? Okay, let's pray for Michael. This guy, he's been to our church one time. He said, he said he'd come back soon. Come on, somebody. But there in my driveway, I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to ask God. And I, this is what I've learned. If you'll ask God to love people the way that he loves them, you'll start becoming a very prophetic person. Joseph knew how to interpret their dreams because he saw he saw them with the eyes of heaven. Fill yourself, focus, and then the last thing is, is you have to feel. F-E-E-L. So you fill yourself up, you focus, and then you feel. And again, I'm not into like the doctrine of feeling. We don't live by feelings alone, but by every word. Come on, somebody. But I do believe that the gifts of the Spirit, I can't explain it to you. I've been, I think they're imparted to you. I think that people pray for you, encourage you, get environments, that you receive it. Many things spiritually aren't taught, they're caught. And many people don't catch them because they don't want to receive them. Remember, retrievers are born to be helpful, but the other breeds have to be trained. Some of you might not naturally, by nature, be very good at helping other people. But listen to me, if you let God, he'll train you. And this, this idea that, that he actually feel, he, he began to feel, God, show me, show me what, what this dream means. 
mold me. And again, First Peter, it says they were moved. You know what the word move means? It's the word, it's a Greek word, furrow. It means to be pushed. It means to like be, be put pressure on. I've learned that many times when I pray for people, I can't not pray for them. Because something inside of me keeps, it keeps resurging. I can't shake it. It just keeps resurging. I can't, I gotta, I gotta share this with them. And I start getting an impression. And it's where I'll start praying for my friend Dustin or my friend, my friend, uh, my friend Shane or whoever it is. I'll start praying for them. And I start getting an impression. And oftentimes, God will let you feel what they're going through so you can actually speak in to where they're at. I don't know why I'm feeling sad when I'm, th- when I'm thinking about this person. Maybe they're going through a season of loss. And then I start asking, all right, God, how are you going to get them out of it? You tell them, you encourage them that this is a storm, it's going to pass. And when it passes, here's the good news, that all the rain that's in their life right now is actually going to wash out all the dust that's been in their life. The prophetic, it inspires, it, it edifies, it encourages, it comforts, it confirms. I actually believe this. We're going to be a church that's not weird, but we're going to be a church that knows how to hear God's voice. It's really cool. It's the birthright of everyone that believes. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.